Hi everyone, welcome back to Understand the Bible. Now this is the fourth part in a series looking at justification and if you want to go back and catch up, uh, if you haven't seen all of the videos or whatever, then I put the link up there and you'll be able to watch through and go back from the beginning. But in this part we are thinking about if God forgives us anyway, you know, so in the previous video we were thinking about how we are right with God, not through any good things that we do. It's not the number of good things that we do, because we can never do enough to make us right with God, but it's only through faith in Jesus Christ. So if that is the case, then what is the motivation for doing good, good works, for doing good deeds? You know, what's the point of it? If we don't kind of uh, contribute to our salvation by the good things that we do, why do we bother? Now this is a question which the church, has, people have kind of asked throughout the history of the church all through the ages, right from the days when the Bible was written through to the, the Reformation people were talking about this and, and today. It's a question, a very common question that people have, you know, and I think it can be embodied in uh, what the, the German poet Heinrich Heine was reported to have said on his deathbed, which is, of course, God will forgive me. That's his job. You think, well, is that how, how can someone have that kind of attitude and get away with it, you know, and think that God will just forgive me? You know, what's what's the point in trying to live a good life if God's just going to forgive us? Now, that is what we're thinking about in this video. You know, what what place do good works have in the life of a Christian? Why should we bother doing them? And so in order to do this, we're going to look at a passage from Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 23. And as per usual, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the link down below in the show notes in the, in the description, and you'll be able to read it for yourself. But what I'll do is I'll read the relevant bits out as I go through. So you'll be able to follow along. And if you're watching this on the video, um, I, there is a podcast available as well. If you're watching this on the video, then I'll put the, um, the verses on the screen as we're going through. So this is what it says. What, this is what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So what Jesus is saying is that outward appearances are not everything. This is actually just... The message of the rest of the Bible really you know for example in 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 7 you know Samuel says man looks at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart you know we know that there there can be a difference someone can appear to be one thing on the outside but inwardly they are quite different and sadly we know that that is the case we can probably think of people for, for whom that's been the case people who we've known may look like one thing but inwardly have been something uh, quite different and Jesus says we shouldn't be deceived there is a test and that test is what he goes on to say he says verse 16 by their fruit you will recognize them to people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles likewise every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognise them. So what Jesus says is the test that we need to apply to someone to see whether they're inwardly good, not just whether they appear to be good, but whether they're inwardly good, is are they producing good fruit? Now, what does Jesus mean by good fruit? 
I think we have a clue if you just flip back a little bit in Matthew to uh, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8. This is John the Baptist uh, speaking. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So what John the Baptist is talking about there in context of fruit is if you genuinely turn to God, if you genuinely turned away from sin and turned to God, this is what it should look like in your life. So it's kind of the, the character, you know, it's all the stuff that we've been thinking about elsewhere, about the love for God and the love for our neighbour. It's really love is, is fruit, is what uh, Jesus is talking about here. Genuine love, love for God and a love for our neighbour in the way that the rest of the Bible kind of talks about, you know, um, living a life obeying and serving God, living a life serving others and, and so on. That is what fruit looks like. That's what Jesus is talking about. And this is just what other parts of the Bible talk about. So, for example, Romans chapter 6 verses 22 talks about the fruits of righteousness being being holiness, you know, being our obedience to God, being, our, again, our love for him and our love for others. So it's what Jesus says is just in line with what, what the rest of the Bible says, of course. Now, fruit's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, you can have a lot of fruit or you can have a little bit of fruit. You know, a, a few years ago when we moved into our, our old house, my uh, my in-laws they they're quite sort of green-fingered and they gave us a couple of uh, miniature fruit trees uh, to plant in our garden they gave us an apple tree and they gave us a plum tree and so we planted them one year and the next year i think we had one apple from our apple tree and no plums at all from the plum tree the following year however we had no apples but we had loads of plums and it was great you know we were able to be eating plums uh, kind of all summer uh, but the point is that the fact that, that the apple tree didn't produce much fruit it was still an apple tree and the plum tree even when it didn't produce much fruit it was still a plum tree you know what what you can't have is what Jesus is saying here that you can't have the wrong kind of fruit from the wrong kind of tree and he talks about thorns and thistles, you know, that, that good trees cannot produce thorns and thistles because that's not the kind of tree that they are. Someone in, who's wrong inside will not be producing good fruit, will not be producing the kind of love for God and the love for others that Jesus wants us to produce. And that's the real test. You know, someone whose heart is wrong will not be bearing good fruit, that love for God and love for neighbour. That's the test that, that Jesus is talking about. And so Jesus goes on then in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So similarly, you know, he said it's possible to say one thing on the outside or look one way on the outside, but be very different inside. And he says again, there are people who say to him, Lord, Lord, you know, who, who claim to follow him, but yet they don't, they won't enter the kingdom of heaven. They, they're not really uh, genuine. He says, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. That kind of implies a, a, a relationship with God, you know, because if we have a relationship with God, then we want to do his will. If we love him, if we want to serve him, then, then we'll want to to do his will. You know, we can't do God's will without having that love for him, without having that relationship with him, which he's made us for. 
That is what it means to do God's will, which Jesus is talking about here. So Jesus gives some examples in verse 22. And he says, many will say to me on that day, and he's referring there to the day of judgment, which will be a day of surprises because that's when the truth of people's hearts will be revealed. And that's what that's the shocking thing about this. He says, um, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? So the examples that Jesus gives, they're all spiritual things, aren't they? You know, they're all things which, if you saw someone doing that, you would think, wow, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? You know, they must be a, a pretty impressive sort of a person to, uh, to drive out demons and to do miracles and, and all of that kind of a thing. They must be pretty impressive spiritually. They must be really close to God in order to do that. You know, they would be the kind of people that you would look up to, spiritually speaking. But Jesus says, au contraire, that's not how it actually works. And in fact, he says, verse 23, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. He says, look, there was no relationship there at all. I didn't even know you. Now imagine hearing Jesus say those words to you on the last day, you know, away from me, I never knew you. Now how terrible it must be to hear those words, especially for people who have been, you know, as they, they think, doing lots of good deeds. You know, they've been doing, driving out demons and working these miracles and things. They thought they'd done enough. But Jesus would say, no, no, away from me, I never knew you. There was no relationship there at all. And, and in fact, the really shocking thing is what Jesus says of them. He says, away from me, you evildoers. You think about it. Those good things that they thought they were doing, Jesus calls them doers of evil. Jesus calls the good works that they thought they were doing actually evil. Isn't that a shocking thing for Jesus to say, now, why does he do that? I think the clue comes actually in, in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 14, verse 23. And doesn't, you don't need to worry too much about the context in this case. But Paul just makes the comment that anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. Anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. And what he's saying is that anything which doesn't come from our belief and trust in Jesus, our belief and trust in God, anything that doesn't come from a right heart is actually sin. And, you know, you think about it, think about all of the good things that we do, that all of the, the good things that we do are tainted by sin. And, and that's what we saw all the way back in the first part. Even the good things that we do have a taint of sin, you know, that we never do a pure good work. We never do something which is 100% good. In all of the good things that we do, we are thinking at least a little bit about ourselves, at least a little bit perhaps about our own reputation or our own conscience. You know, we're not purely loving God and loving others. And this is what Jesus is saying. Those good deeds which these people have done, they're, they're not good deeds in the sense that they're not pure good deeds. And in fact, 
he calls them evil because they do not earn salvation and they don't spring from faith in God. They're not what God has asked um, this person to do. They don't come from a love for God. They just come from a, perhaps a desire to soothe their own conscience, a desire to, to try and look good in front of others or, or whatever. That's what it comes from, not from a genuine faith. And this is the thing, you know, it's just what Jesus has been saying all the way through. It's possible for things to look impressive on the outside, but inwardly for there to be no real relationship with God. So let's draw some threads together. Let's uh, let me read to you a little bit of uh, Article 12 of the 39 Articles, as you uh, recall, of course. The 39 Articles, we've been working through uh, some of those, and this is uh, Article 12. Um, this is the traditional language version, but I think it's still fairly straightforward. It says, it starts this way, albeit that good works, which are the fruits of faith and follow after justification, cannot put away sins and endure the severity of God's judgment. So what it says is this, that our good works, they follow justification. So we're made right with God, and then our good works come after that. But it says, we need to remember that they can't put away our sins and endure the severity of God's judgment. So what that means is if God were to test our good deeds for purity, none of our good deeds would be 100% pure none of our good deeds could be weighed on his scale of, of merit, if you like. If God um, put, you know, the, 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 the standard as 100% for a good deed, then none of us would do any good deeds which came up to that standard. So none of our good deeds earn anything before God. That's the first important point. But the second thing, it goes on to say, yet they are pleasing and acceptable to God in Christ, and do spring out necessarily of a true and lively faith, insomuch that by them a lively faith may be as evidently known as a tree discerned by the fruit. So what he's saying is that like a tree bears fruit, as we were thinking about, then someone who has a lively faith will bear good works. So it just follows as one thing the other. You know, a, a lively, a kind of a healthy tree, a healthy fruit tree will bear fruit. And a, a person with a healthy faith in God will bear good works. It just follows as one thing that, you know, as the night follows the day, as a tree bears fruit, a person who has a, a lively faith in God will bear good works. That's how it works. It's not, it doesn't mean that we earn our salvation. It just means that a, light, uh, you know, a, a true faith will be followed by good deeds. And the warning that Jesus gives us is that it is possible to fake it. You know, it is possible to look impressive on the one hand and to impress people, but actually to not have a right heart before God. And that's a warning to all of us. Now, in the news recently, there have been a couple of sad cases of Christian leaders, church leaders, who have sadly been accused of abuse and bullying. And I'm not going to, to name names in here. You may well have seen them. And I'm sure that there, there are things like this that happen all the time. You know, people who've led big churches, people who've been influential in Christian circles, you know, people who others have looked up to them, have been accused of bullying, have been accused of sexual abuse and, and all kinds of things. 
How is it possible for someone to preach a good sermon and yet not have a right heart before God? Uh, And that's the danger that Jesus is warning about. You know, it's possible to know a lot about God. It's possible to do lots of what seem like good deeds, but actually not really know God and not bear those fruits of, of love for him and love for others. And I think it's a warning, you know, that the people who we look up and respect don't think so much about the the things that they do, but think, are they showing love? You know, are they showing love for God and love for others? And of course, no one ever perfectly loves. We're all sin in all sorts of ways. You know, no one is full of love like we should be, like Jesus was and is. But actually, we should be growing in that. And there should be humility about us knowing our own imperfection. You know, when we know how far short we fall, we should have a kind of humility knowing that we don't love as we should. And it kind of brings me on to the solution to this. You know, how do we solve that problem of this this hypocrisy that Jesus is talking about of not just doing sort of empty good works, but having a lively faith in God, having an active trust in him and our good things flowing from that. How do we get to that point? And I think that the thing that really makes the difference is having regular communion with God. And by that, I don't mean what we call communion in terms of the bread and the wine and so on. That is a part of it. But what I mean is really just regularly seeking God, regularly reading the Bible, I think that's really important, reminding us of what God wants us to be doing uh, with our lives, reminding us of how God wants us to live and how much we need him. You know, the Psalms in particular, I think, are vital as part of that. I would recommend just, you know, reading a Psalm every day, um, at least one every day. And I found that really helpful for my own kind of um, spiritual life in this. Uh, Regularly praying as well. You know, God wants us to talk to him. And I think as we pray, God changes us as well. You know, when we seek God, then he's able to sort of work in us and to change us. And I I often think that, you know, that prayer changes us more than it changes the situation. You know, we think about things differently when we pray. So so prayer is really important. Now, meeting with other Christians, uh, going to church, listening to sermons, um, doing things like like this, you know, listening to these kind of videos, it's all part of it. You know, regularly reminding ourselves of what God wants from us, how far short we fall and how much we are forgiven in Jesus Christ. You know, that is how we change. That is how we kind of maintain a healthy uh, relationship with God, a healthy attitude towards ourselves, a healthy attitude towards others as well. You know, when we think of ourselves as forgiven sinners, that's what gives us the motivation to do good. You know, when we realise how far short we fall. So it's not the case of just saying to, you know, oh, God will forgive me anyway. But actually, forgiveness is something that's not got cheap. And when we see the cost that God, that God paid, you know, that Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us, when we see that, it kind of inspires us to love him and to serve him more and more. So there's a lot to explain in this, but I hope that this has helped to explain something of, of why it's important to do good works, even if God forgives us. You know, it's just part and parcel of what it means to be Christian. And if we have a lively and active kind of trust and, and faith in God, then we will be growing in our love for him and our love for others as well. That is how it works. We don't want to be like the people that Jesus uh, is saying of, of having a, a kind of faking it. 
we don't want to be like those who fake it. We want to be like those who have a real and active faith and trust in God. So I hope that you found this video helpful. Please do subscribe if you want to, to see more videos like this. You can do that on Facebook if you like this video or like the channel. Uh, if you go onto YouTube, you can click subscribe. If you're on the podcast, you can subscribe there as well. Um, so please do, um, you can, hey, why not do all of those things? You know, just, just be contrary, just go into all of it. And uh, then you can get this in, in triplicate or, or whatever. Uh, if you want to support Understand the Bible, you can do that at understandthebible.uk forward slash support. And you can go to that page and um, there are various different ways of supporting uh, what I'm doing here. So thanks very much for watching and I hope to see you again for another one of these videos very soon. God bless.